Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. On this edition of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. It's episode number 16. I'm here with Pastor Aaron Thompson. We'll be talking about things like, as I pull up the topics list here, what's an example of censorship from the Bible itself? We'll ask the pastor, because there's nothing new under the sun. And this issue of censorship of the Word of God and censorship of God's people and men of God, it's always been a problem that people who are walking in the Spirit have had to deal with. So I'll ask him about that. Also, a recent story or just at any point in his church's history, whether or not someone has tried to stop him or his church members from soul winning, I'll ask Pastor Thompson about how we should, as soul winners, deal with that situation and more. You're not going to want to miss this edition of the show, The Sword of the Spirit. It starts right after this. It's a project I'm very excited about. It's a project I'm chipping away at here each and every day to get it ready for the finishing touches. I can't wait for this film to be released. And we'll be talking a little bit about censorship tonight with Pastor Aaron Thompson. Brother Peter Reddick is also riding shotgun on this show. I'm not sure if he can talk, though, before we were going on, before we went on the air. Uh, Brother Peter was having issues in terms of his mic, and we weren't able to hear him. So I'm going to throw it over to him anyway momentarily, and we'll see if things have been straightened out. If not, hopefully we can get it fixed before the show goes off the air so we can hear from Brother Peter Reddick, the documentary filmmaker who's appeared on prior editions of the show. So as I said before the intro, an example of censorship from the Bible, what would Pastor Thompson pick if he could choose a story to talk about? There's nothing new under the sun. Censorship has been an issue going all the way back to biblical times, and whether or not there has ever been a time in which Pastor Thompson himself or a church member has been stopped or attempted to, someone attempted to stop them from going soul winning, what's that like, and how we should deal with that situation. I know I've had that happen to me 
And so it'll be interesting to see what Pastor Thompson says about that and whether or not there's a story he's willing to share on the air tonight. I also wanted to ask him about his sermon series, Lies About the NIFB, which stands for New Independent Fundamental Baptist. What is it about this series that is important? And also, why he decided to preach this series. We'll get his thoughts on that and more. It should be a fun show tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, as usual, on this November 4th, 2019. Thank you all very much for tuning in. And without any further ado, let me throw it over, first of all, to the pastor of Sure Foundation Baptist Church. I consider him to be a friend and also someone who is a, a spiritual mentor in a sense that I love listening to his preaching and learning the Bible from his preaching and the sermons he uploads each and every week. Pastor Thompson, thanks very much for coming on to the show again tonight, despite all the things going on in your very busy life. I appreciate it. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's uh, good to be back, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, sharing my uh, all those things that you were <laughs> wanting to ask me about tonight. So yeah, anyway, yeah. In the hot sure. seat. As usual, but you know what? You, yeah. handle, you handle it well. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't feel like I do, but uh, that's cool. <laughs> Always put on the spot whenever you and I are on the air. And yeah. also with us, let's see if this works. If not, then I'll have to stall or figure something out. We'll just move on, and hopefully it works later on in the program. But Brother Peter Reddick, can you hear me, Brother Peter Reddick? And if you can, welcome to the show. Say hello to everybody listening live right now. Going once, going twice. All right, it's sold. I'm just kidding. I'm not selling anything. All right, looks like you can't hear us right now. Hopefully we can get those technical difficulties sorted out. But before we get to Peter Reddick, Pastor Thompson, let's jump in to the first topic of the evening. As you know, Censored, the war on free speech, is coming out. And this is a documentary we've been promoting over the last several weeks here on this show. I jumped into the project myself. I'm going to help edit it. But I want to ask you, first of all, before we actually get to that first topic, you've been interviewed for this film, and what made you decide to accept that interview? Why did you decide to get involved? Well, at the time that I did the interview, I was in Chandler, and uh, we were uh, kind of you know, trying to make our presence known in the city of Chandler after a couple of people were arrested for soul winning. And I'm sure everybody saw the video on that. Um, but uh, yeah, Peter just asked me if I'd like to be interviewed for it. And of course I said, yes. And I think I told a, a story about a, at that time it was a recent uh, story where one of our church members were actually attacked out soul winning and uh, I think I might have told them about a time that I was almost arrested for soloing too early on in my Christian life. So, yeah, um, that's and you know, of course, I want to be part of it. I think that Christians need to stand up for the rights more than they do. And uh, sometimes I think that we cower down and we just, you know, um, you know. But Peter stood up and said, "Hey, we better obey God rather than men." So. Uh, you know, sometimes we have to stand up and do what's right, regardless of what the consequences are. So, You brought up Peter standing up, that warrior spirit, and, uh, yeah. you know, saying that it's better to obey God rather than men. You have some of these soft Christians out there who would say things like, well, if the police try and get you to stop going soul winning ever again, you should just bow down to them, bow your head, and say, yes, sir, 
and they don't advocate for Christians to stand up for anything, let alone the Word of God. But when it comes to the Bible itself, is there a story you would point to to prove that censorship has always been a problem? Could you could you think of a story just kind of you know right off the top of your head, whether it's the scrolls getting burned in Jeremiah or anything at all? That you would point to and say, "Hey, that's censorship right there." Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Jeremiah went through a lot of censorship. And, uh, yeah, this, the scroll was burned. The Bible was actually burned, and uh, you had to rewrite it. Um, of course, that's how we know the originals don't really matter, right? So the originals <laughs> burned in a fire. So um, the real originals were burned, but, you know, God's Word still uh, endureth forever. Amen. Um, but, you know, Jeremiah also was slapped in the face and, and punched in the face, and he was thrown in prison for preaching God's Word. And... Uh, you know, so that that's definitely an instance that I would think of as censorship. Um, also, even I was just preaching about this uh, uh, yesterday that Elijah, you know, he preached a hard sermon against Ahaziah, and uh, he sent uh, a captain in his 50 over to arrest him, basically. And uh, we know the story happens there that, you know, uh, the captain of the 50 and the 50 twice got uh got smoked by God until they decided to come to Elijah the right way. So, they, I mean, I guess they were trying to censor him. His message was, you know, if you're going to go to Baal and try to, to seek your your word, you know, your future from Baal, then, you know, you're going to die on this bed. And that was basically the sermon that he preached. It was kind of a hard, short sermon for him. But <laughs> I don't know if you remember that story in the Bible, but it's in Second uh, Kings chapter 1. But uh, the main the main one I think of when I think of censorship is Acts chapter five, and that's where I was talking about with Peter um, and the apostles. They got arrested, and actually the angels broke them out of prison, and then they went right to the temple and started preaching again. So they didn't go home and hide, and they were looking, you know, waiting for the police to come arrest them someplace. They didn't they didn't take off. They went right to the temple and started preaching the Bible again, and then they uh, arrested them again. And then in verse 28 says, um, let's see, in verse 27 it says, in Acts chapter 5 it says, when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did we not, uh, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. So they were obeying God rather than man, and that's the thing when we're when it comes to censorship, and it's not just censorship of soul winning; it's censorship of God's word. There's some interference. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll jump yeah, to him a little bit there. I think his mic is back, but go ahead. Okay. There's some. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, if the censorship that's going on, it's not just about soul winning, but that is happening on a large scale, and you got these demonic apartment managers that are trying to kick us out of every single apartment complex that there is. And, and, it's, and it's becoming more and more difficult to reach the poor because they're trying to lock them in and not allow them to hear the gospel and trying to speak for them with their stupid policies and things like that. And then of course you got the censorship of God's word. I mean, YouTube is censoring God's word being preached. I mean, when we preach against the sodomites, um, you know, I got my, sermon completely cut off at the Mesa conference. And, uh, you know, I was just preaching a biblical sermon and, uh, I was censored 
you know, I was censored and um, kind of pissed me off. But uh, I didn't know it at the time because I was still preaching. But <laughs> that's, right. you know, that's been happening a lot. You know, they censor and are preaching. They're giving us strikes for preaching the Bible. That's censorship. And I mean, I really do think that we got to uh, stand up and 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 use our rights that we have. Look, we got rights from God, first of all, to preach the Bible and to preach the gospel. And then we also have rights in this country um, that go against censorship. So it's just really, it's really weird that, you know, the country that we live in is censoring things like free speech. I mean, it's in the First Amendment, right? So the First Amendment right is a that we have freedom of speech and then they're trying to bring hate speech into it, which, you know, there's no law against hate speech. So right. they just been watching too many star Wars episodes or something with Yoda in it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, are you guys able to hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now, brother Peter. You can introduce yourself Amen. to everyone now. Perfect. Hi, uh, this is um, brother Peter Reddick, the producer of censored war on free speech. Um, glad to be back. Sorry for the technical difficulty there. Um, Welcome to the show, um, I'm Pastor Thompson. It's glad Thank to have you. you on here. Um, Thank you very much. One thing, uh, one thing I do want to bring up, and uh, Brother Ben, I did send you that video link. Um, to my email? There are, I mean, I, I, like you said, Pastor Thompson, you know, when we did this interview, it was about a year ago at the channel, or almost a year ago at the channel, soul-winning event, and um, so a lot of things have happened since then, and I think, um, you know, part of our due diligence is keeping um, current on um, current at times, um, and I sent it to, I believe, I can resend it to you if you need but um <clears throat> One thing that um, we we have a we have a video here, or we'll try to get it real quick. But um, even in uh, a, I don't know if you watched the um, current um, political debates, Pastor Thompson. Um, I mean, as much of a joke as they are, the candidates nowadays are actually speaking, you know, telling us what they are going to do, and uh, one of those is um, just recently um, former Vice President Joe Biden um, made the, was um, basically made the remark at an LBGTQ um, equality town hall and um, pretty much that any basically if you are any individual or organization he's referring to Christians in this sense that stand up against the LBGT community, you will be put and treated as um, put on a terror watch list and treated as such. Now, <clears throat> this gets scary in itself for the fact that, you know, from being prior military, being, you know, being on a terror watch list, you know, in itself, but I mean, you, you, you become under a lot more scrutiny. However, if um, that means they can, without just cause, you post a <clears throat> preach a sermon, for example, on you know that's anti um, anti fag, then they can like again they can come out to you, come after you as a terrorist and but, you know, arrest you under the Patriot Act, 
And you have no rights at that point. You don't have the right to due process in that sense. And they're actually stating that they're coming out and saying this. Um, so um, with that in mind, um, Pastor Thompson, what are your thoughts on that type of situation? And how should people handle that when the time comes? Did we lose Pastor Thompson? No, I just oh. had my microphone muted. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, um, so the question uh, was, you know, basically, what do I think that we should do in that situation of being on a terror list? Well, you know, honestly, I'll just say this. I think that we're probably already on that list. It's just not um, called that necessarily yet. <laughs> I mean, the movie Deported is coming out, and this was three years ago when Pastor Anderson came and preached at our church in Vancouver, Washington, where he showed the paper where it shows that the United States government you know, cons in a conspiracy, you know, it's a, con it's, it's, it's a conspiracy, not a theory. It was an actual conspiracy and paid gay essay radio to try to get Pastor Anderson kicked out of the country. As a matter of fact, both countries that he was trying to visit and ended up having to send him on this crazy route back, uh, back home that took, you know, hours and hours and hours and cost thousands of dollars. But ultimately, the, the, they don't want the gospel going out to the African nation of South Africa, you know, and and they want to they want to sodomize basically the the continent of Africa. They've they have said that they're spending billions of dollars to do that, and we're standing in the way. Hey, if we're getting people saved, then that's going to be a big problem when someone uh, tries to uh, you know make someone try to become a queer like they are. You know, that's the best thing to fight against the reprobation of a nation nation is to give the gospel to it. And I think that personally, I think that we're already being watched, honestly. And uh, it, it, obviously they were watching Pastor Anderson. So obviously they're probably watching us, too. I It wouldn't surprise me at all to find that maybe people that, quote unquote, are in the movement are actually spies of some sort i mean i don't try to like say hey that person's you know looks like a cia agent or anything like that when they come to our church but it wouldn't surprise me if that was going on to be honest with you and what can we do about it i mean we really can't do anything about it so um i think that we just where where we can fight for our rights then that's when we should stand up and do so if we can if we get to have the voice to do it so well, I mean, Jesus promised us that this day would come where we're going to be beaten. I mean, he said, and then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And there are going to be a lot of different organizations, whether they're government affiliated or not, that help aid in smearing this, quote, movement, as you put it, Pastor Thompson. And you know what? There already is an organization which has a watch list that several like-minded churches are on. It's called the Southern Poverty Law Center. Steadfast Jacksonville's on there. The small church here in Jacksonville, we're on that list. And in fact, they wrote an entire article about our church split. There are people watching. And you know what? That article has intricate details about what happened in January when our church split and everything involving Pastor Anderson and Pastor Shelley, etc. They quote yours truly. So there are people watching very closely to what's going on inside our movement because we pose an existential threat 
to their pro-Sodomite, pro-New World Order, anti-God agenda. And Brother Peter Reddick, he brought this up. Let me pull it up for you here. This is the article. Pastor Thompson, if I play the video, you won't be able to hear it, so I'll just show you the article so you can see for yourself. But this is this creep, Joe Biden, demands SPLC-style terror watch list to protect, quote, LGBT, let God burn them, people. And if we go to the quote here, he says... What we had before to deal with hate crimes was we had a position in our administration within the Department of Justice was within Homeland Security, a provision to keep watch on these groups that we know are out there, like terrorist groups. They're similar. So they're already beginning to quote religious groups with terrorist groups, calling them similar, that we know are out there, to be able to follow without violating their First Amendment rights. Of course, he doesn't spell out exactly how he would employ such a measure without violating our First Amendment rights to be able to follow what they're doing and follow up on threats that come forward. Now, of course, the word threats there, Pastor Thompson, is arbitrary. So we don't know what they would take as a threat. These people think that when you preach Leviticus 20.13 that you are threatening yourself to go personally and murder sodomites. They can't make a distinction, or they can and they choose not to, between that which the government should be doling out as punishment, which is what we're preaching, and you know, the idea of an individual going out and executing judgment himself. So you can see it's already, the building blocks are there for them to come in and make it illegal to do what we're doing. And you already have the SPLC in place. Pastor Thompson, has Sure Foundation Baptist Church made that list yet? Yeah, we made that list early on. Okay. And I think there are ties to Verity Baptist Church. Uh, but they they found out real quickly. I mean, they they changed the name pretty quick, and we're still there with the neo Nazis and all the other stuff around. You know, they put a lumpus right in with you know basically uh, racists and and these terror groups that go and actually do terrorize people. You know, but I I'll tell you this: I am a terrorist. I'm a terrorist against wickedness. There you go. <laughs> I preach, I like that. When I preach sermons, <clears throat> my goal is to to wreak terror and havoc <laughs> against Satan's kingdom and against his minions and anything else, uh, you know, any other shadows Amen. or dark in this world. Amen. I don't want to be a terror. Uh, I, I am a terrorist, but not in the way that they're trying to claim that I am. I've never threatened violence against anybody, and I've never said that I was going to hurt anybody. You know, Christianity is a nonviolent religion, and they're trying to lump us in with Muslims who literally throw fags off of buildings you know, I haven't thrown any fags off of buildings ever in my life, but yet you see the news media coddle that religion. And you know why? Because Satan cannot be divided against Satan. So these these same people that hate our guts for our views love the people that actually care, uh, uh, carry out these acts of violence against other people where we just say that, hey, it's God's word that says that the government is supposed to be doing it. So then yet they're going to call us terrorists. You know, while these news media people are just slobbering all over the Muslims and all over the homosexuals, but they're all friends, you know. These fags will still stand up for, you know, Muslims, even though they would kill them if they had the chance to. Pretty weird. But uh, anyway, that's my piece about that. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, I like the, the agreement and amplification there in the sense that, hey, if you want to smear me with your stupid buzzword, fine, go ahead. You know what? But... I'm not a terrorist in the way that you think, okay? I terrorize wickedness. I like that 
I might steal it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> but, I'm sure so, someone else said that in the past. <laughs> you know, the good. And, and Peter Reddick, I, I do want to get you in here, Peter. And just, this is something to think about, Brother Peter, just to go along with that Joe Biden thing, is it started with social media, right? I mean, we used social media to try and advance the cause of Christ. We used social media to try and promulgate the message, the gospel and Bible doctrine, sound Bible doctrine, but those days are going to come to an end eventually when they totally shut down YouTube as a possible medium for us to broadcast the message. Now, it's funny because the way in which they'll justify doing that are those Orwellian quote-unquote terms of agreement, which has a whole bunch of language in there about, quote, hate speech, which you can apply to pretty much anything that deviates even slightly from the fake news narrative. But, uh, Peter, it starts with social media, but we see that it's going to slowly transition to government. Right now, you have private companies that are indiscriminately censoring people who believe in the Bible, and it's going to be government one day. The Bible tells us this. Jesus tells us this in the Olivet Discourse that will happen, and the building blocks are in place right now with that Joe Biden at the town hall saying he wants Christian groups to be put on a watch list. Joe Biden is a creep, pedophile, pervert, weirdo, and he could be the next president. But what do you think about that, Peter? Well, he'll never be my president. <laughs> but um, first and foremost, God is my president. He is my head, my everything. But, and you're right, social media did play a solid foundation in this. And to answer your question of where it's heading, um, you know, I want to, you know, I say we, <clears throat> you know, your government is, uh, you know, it's, it's been that way for years. And, it, you know, and I think this is a foundation for the coming tribulation in which the first seal is you know the antichrist is coming to he's coming to conquer he's conquering and to conquer and of course they got wars and rumors of wars and so forth um and all this is it's fitting right into place as stepping stones Pastor that's where i think it's leading up to when i think of your church i can think of a few instances i don't know all the details but i can think of a few instances in which your church members have gone out soul winning and they've been stymied in some way or someone attempted to hinder the work that you're doing which is extremely important the bible tells us go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and the local church ought to be going out and reaching the community with the gospel of christ that's certainly what you guys do and you have a tremendous zeal for winning people to the lord but there have been people who tried to stop you i'm not sure if it got you know, how serious or how bad it's gotten but could you think of something that you'd be willing to share on the air tonight? Because that's part of the censorship agenda. What is the ultimate goal of the devil? That the least amount of people get saved as possible. And so, of course, he's going to attack soul winning, and he's going to use his minions to do it. Has it happened to you? Is there something you're willing to share tonight with regard to somebody trying to stop you or trying to stop your church members from reaching the lost with the gospel? There's no more important work. You're talking to me? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't hear you say which church you're talking about. So, okay. Um, yeah, well, we've had lots of times where people try to stop us from preaching the gospel. It happens all the time. I get letters. I got a letter in the mail uh, saying, 
you know, that I, one of our people went to a no soliciting door and they wrote, took the time to write me a letter, sent my invitation back in the mail and said, read up on the, so on the soliciting laws. Uh, I just got that one uh, last week, but you know, we get, we've had uh, a member of our church was attacked at the door and punched by, you know, he was an older guy, but the guy was still uh, pretty uh, spry. So, <laughs> um, but basically he just charged over to a door after uh, one of our church members knocked the door, he saw other church members knocking at another door and he walked and did a beeline and walked straight over and uh, said some choice cuss words. I think I have it on my uh, YouTube where, that you know, we called the police and everything, and the police came by, saw the video where he attacked one of our church members, and didn't even arrest the guy. It took him two weeks for him to get back to me. I was really pissed off about it, but um, we haven't had any uh, attacks other than that, like as far as physical attacks. But we all the time, you know, we have so many going on in four different churches, and so I get contacted all the time by these bozos, and I just tell them the same thing, you know, that God, we're not going to quit, we'll be back. God told us to go soul winning and we, we ought to obey God rather than man. And, you know, it's a lot of the times it's these apartment managers, they think that they're just going to get a hold of the pastor and that these people are going to be in trouble. And I, I take their back. I go, which, what's the names of the people that uh, came to your door so I can tell them what a great job they're doing. And they get all pissed <laughs> off about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it happens all the time and it's, it's private citizens, but the police also, you know, they know that they're untouchable basically. I mean, if they could shoot somebody in the back, while they're running away with no gun and get away with it, what are the, what's the soul winner going to do? You know, what, what what difference does it make whether they arrest a soul winner that's that's with well within their rights to knock on a door and give someone the gospel or to invite somebody to church? They don't care. And so, honestly, I just leave my church members with a choice. You know, you have a choice. You can go to jail, and you know that's you know people went to jail in the Bible. I mean, it's going to happen. But if you know, if the police say, well, look, if you don't stop right now, I'm going to take you to jail. If they choose not to go to jail, that's their choice. I don't say, hey, you better just go to jail and take one for the team. You know, I kind of leave it in their, in their realm because eventually it's going to come to the point where, um, you know, they're either going to go to jail or they're going to they're going to leave. And so I don't, you know, I don't want people to not get saved over the ruckus of what happens when police come and surround an apartment complex because of soul winners. Uh, so I basically I leave it up to the individual. Um, you know, so they have their own choice. You know, we as Christians have liberty to do what we want to do. And some people just, you know, they don't want to go to jail. And I understand that. But I'm sure there's a time uh, there's I'm sure there's a time when, you know, I'll probably go to jail for something. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I'll be out the next day. So because right. really they don't have a leg to stand on. But I mean, just realize you're probably just going to go to jail for a night and that's it. Right. So. But I wanted to say something really quickly about sure. uh, where this is all headed, because this is something I've been thinking about for a long time and actually way well into my early years of Christianity when all this gay marriage stuff started coming up. And like, I don't know, 2002, something like that. That's a long time ago. You guys are some of you guys are pretty young <laughs> listening tonight. But I went to my pastor about it and I just said, what are you going to do when they say you have to marry homos? And he was like, well, I'm not going to do it. And I said, well, what if they threaten to take away your tax exemption because you refuse uh, to marry, do gay weddings and things like that? And uh, he said, well, I guess we'll be meeting outside underneath a tree somewhere. You know, I don't know if you would feel the same way about it now. Probably not. But uh, um, I think that 
you know, one of the things that's being said right now is, well, we sh- I, will, I want to take away the church's tax-exempt status. And what that would do is that would not allow us to have bank accounts, and that would allow them to, you know, that would basically mean where we would have to run on a cash-only uh, thing. And a lot of people, you know, sometimes people just go to churches and, and they give money and they expect that, uh, their money to be given back at the end of the year by the R- by the IRS, which really they don't don't really give you much back. To be honest with you, honestly, don't even care. But you know, some people do, and that's fine. But I think their ultimate goal is they're going to try to shut churches down. You know, people might disagree with me about that, but why are they bringing it up? You know, it gets brought up a lot on social media, and it gets brought up now. It's being brought up in political debates. You know, people have been clamoring about this for a long time about the taking away of our, you know, making churches pay taxes and things like that. And I think that that's going to be, you know, when you hit a church financially and you hurt the, the people of God where it hurts and the money belt, sometimes people are going to, they're going to fall away. And I think that that is possibly one of their big aims is to uh, use the homosexual agenda to try to get us shut down that way. So through tax exemptions and through being, uh, corporations of 501c3 and i'm not saying that people with 501c3 are bad or anything like that i'm just saying that that's what the, i think that they're going to use that's the engine they're going to use they're going to use the sodomites who we refuse to let into our churches and then once we say hey we're not doing that then they're going to just say well okay well then you're shut down so we would have to not go underground or anything like that but i think that what would happen is you know that's when people are going to start trying to fall away so that's my personal opinion. I mean, I just kind of see the writing on the wall where it comes to that. And, you know, if they put us on a no-fly list at some point, you know, a lot of us pastors, we fly around the country and we fly around the world uh, preaching different places. Um, but I see that as maybe a possibility, too. If they're putting us on a terror list and they're going to put us on a terrorist watch list to where we can't fly, a no-fly list. And that's a, very, a really serious thing. I mean, you, you have to be seriously... Uh, doing some pretty bad stuff to be put on a no-fly list, but I could see them doing something like that. Um, so anyway, I know I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here, but I just th- those are the things I see them trying to use their engine to get to us next because they're not going to stop our preaching. That's just all there is to it. They're not going to stop us from preaching what we preach. So I think the I mean, no the no-fly list would really hit hard because you talked about the traveling that the pastors do, whether it's for conferences or to go preach for a special preaching night. Pastor Anderson, he's he's going places. You have, in fact, a pastor coming soon, correct? Yep, Pastor, pastor Bruce Mejia. Pastor Bruce Mejia. This Friday night at 7 p.m., shameless plug. There's the plug, which you would have gotten anyway <laughs> at the end, but you might as well get it in now when the audience yeah. is highest. But anyway, uh, you'll, you'll learn those tricks when you... You, do yes. know, you know when exactly the audience is highest. You got the analytics in front of you. Okay, now's the time to do all my plugs. Yeah. Moving on from that, the pastors travel a lot, so it wouldn't surprise me to see them on quote-unquote terror watch lists. And they would make the argument, they already do, to justify the TSA. Well, it's a privilege for you to fly. It's not a right that you're afforded or that you should be afforded. Therefore, if you don't align with our worldview you're going to get banned from flying and the tsa will just take you aside i mean think about how orwellian it is that pastor anderson because of his religious worldview can't even enter certain countries he gets pulled yeah, they're aside. Already doing it. i'm sorry they're already, doing it. they're already doing it right they're already doing it so it's... they're just saying hey you can't come to this country so aren't they basically saying you can't fly here 
you know? That's it. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's what they're basically saying. And I could see that expanding to some of the other pastors. And in fact, there are other pastors who are banned from certain countries. I'm, I'm banned from South Africa. I saw the paperwork on it. There you go. I mean, one country for sure so far. <laughs> you're, you're racking up. So you got one under your belt. I'm sure that that'll increase. Now, I'm not, obviously, I don't want it to. I'm not saying that lightly or anything, but it just wouldn't surprise me. Peter Reddick, you can jump in here. Your thoughts on that? I mean, we had Pastor Thompson bring up possibly a no-fly list for pastors, and we brought up them getting banned from certain countries. And I just want to clarify real quickly, when I talked earlier about cops and things like that, there's a mentality that certain Christians have, which is the police are always right. And there are people who do leave when the police tell them to leave because they don't feel like spending the night in jail. That's perfectly fine. It doesn't make them a sissy or water down or anything. But I guarantee you those same people at least acknowledge that what the police are doing is wrong. And so that's what I was referring to earlier. But Peter, uh, what do you think about all this? Um, honestly, when it comes to like the police and you know individuals like that and organizations like that, um, I agree with Pastor Thompson. It's we need we are biblically commanded to obey the higher authority. And when they are trying to infringe on that, you know, it is our duty to, you know, ignore it and, you know, override it by God's law. Um, While we were talking, I was actually trying to pull up the Supreme Court uh, ruling that states you know, it basically goes over saying that Christians are protected to soul win and or evangelize. And um, I, I think that is something that we all need to remember. It doesn't matter how much the police try to, or the, the police or the government try to scare us. Cause that's all it is. It's a scare tactic. Yeah. Cause they don't want us going out there and, you know, getting, you know, witnessing the people, bringing new people to Christ. And I think I have what you're referring to there, Brother Peter, as I open it here for the people to okay. take a look at. The right to door-to-door. Is this a document that you also have, Pastor Thompson, at your church that you send your soul winners out with, or am I thinking of something else? Well, I don't know if I have that one. The, the Supreme Court is sensitive. What is this? Uh, let's see. Edu? Is this the 2002, uh, the 2002 ruling, or... There's a 2002 ruling for the Jehovah's Witnesses. Here we go. Watchtower versus Village of Stratton. Yeah, yeah, that US one. There it is. That's what sent the president. Solicitation, solicitation involves the selling of items. I don't know how many times I've had to explain that to whiners when I go knock on the door. And I'm nice about it. I understand I'm the uninvited guest. But it's so frustrating. I'm not selling anything, bozo. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But hey, how, how how can you how can you sell something that is free? The gospel is free. It's a free gift. That's a major part of every presentation. Anyway, again, folks, church should... too. <laughs> how do you handle Pastor Thompson? Do, how do you handle people like that? I mean, obviously, we should never be rude. You don't want to leave them with a bad taste in their mouth. We we are ambassadors for Christ, but. Is it kind of hard to, to like stay patient sometimes? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sometimes when they come, when I see that it's a no soliciting door and they come and I see the attitude right away, I just so, hey, before you say anything, I know that your door says no soliciting. 
but we're not soliciting. We're just here to invite you to church. And uh, if we could, we'd like to share some uh, verses from the Bible with you. And usually they're like, uh, oh, okay. You know, they, you kind of catch them before they get all. Interesting. I like that. That's something I've been working on lately. And a lot of the times that'll stop them in their tracks. So you can sort of detect, you can see when it's about to come based on their facial expressions. Yeah. When it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pastor Thompson, I want to ask you about this. Uh, before we go off the air here, your uh, sermon series, Lies About the New IFB. We're talking about censorship and things like that, but sort of switching gears. I thought this was an interesting series. You took it on the road with you as well. Yeah. You didn't just limit it to your church there in Washington at Sure Foundation Baptist Church. Why preach the series? What made you decide to do it? Well, I basically, I just got tired of, well, I think I saw something on social media where someone was saying, Uh, basically that their pastor had said, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff that was just not true um, about things that we believe. And and basically it was stuff about Pastor Anderson too. But my focus on the series was mainly just things. It wasn't about what I disagree with about with the the old IFB, because there's lots of things. I mean, that would be like, you know, a long series. But but I just wanted to focus on the things that they say about us that are just lies, and, and not, you know, it's just like repent, like that we don't believe in repentance or that we don't do follow up or that we don't, uh, you know, we believe in a mid trip rapture, just flat out lies that they keep repeating over and over again. And because they just want, you know, their people to believe what they're saying and they don't want to check out what we're saying. So I wanted to have something online where people could just, you know, maybe their pastor is some old IFB, uh, repent of your sins scumbag that, uh, you know, is a dispensational dirtbag and they just want to just lie to their people all the time about what we believe. I wanted them to be able to go to a sermon series online where I could show them line by line, you know, what we believe and where they're lying about us. So even if they don't agree with us at the end of watching that sermon, maybe they would just say, well, hey, I wonder what this new IB stuff is all about. You know, what's the difference here? What, what do they say? You know, my pastor says this. Well, let me, hey, there's a sermon on here that says, you know, lies about the new IFB. Maybe I should check it out and see what they say. And so I just want to take the Bible and show people what we believe and what the lies are that they're telling about us. And so, um, you know, and, and obviously I was pandering to the crowd a little bit of, of our, our people. We already know all that stuff. But a lot of the times new people come in and, and they come in and start watching stuff and their pastor gets a hold of them and says, look, they believe this, this, and this. And it's like, well, they can look at that sermon and say, Hey, you know, my pastor's not telling the truth about this. Pastor Thompson already debunked that lie a long time ago, things like that. So yeah, I was excited to preach that. Well, here's why I think it's needful because you hear a sermon series on lies about the new IFB. Obviously, if you're in the new IFB, you're going to agree with the assertions you make, but it does give you ammunition. gives you ammunition, things that you could load up Bible verses that you could store in your memory bank that you can then use in your interactions with others. And that's why a sermon like that, for me, is needful. That's why I enjoy it. Brother Peter Reddick lies about the new IFB. I'm not sure if you've got a chance to see any of the sermons in the series. If not, I wouldn't say anything because then you'll look bad in front of Pastor Thompson. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, I, I mean, just talk a little about that, Brother Peter Reddick, the lies about our movement. Is there one particular lie that gets you angriest? I know for me, the one that just pisses me off the most is is the stupid garbage. James White says this a lot, that we don't believe in repentance. 
Just because we define repentance the way it's actually defined in the Word of God doesn't mean we don't believe repentance exists. That's such a stupid, straw man, garbage, wicked lie that these unsaved repenter your sins bozos keep regurgitating, and it gets me angry. Go ahead, Brother Peter. What What do you think about this? Um, actually, and I apologize. I have not seen the series yet. I do need to check it out, though. Um, but I will say this. One thing that does get me very fumed about, you know, you know, P, you know, is the, you know, why are you using King James only? Why not use these other translations? They sound better. They're the better translations. They're newer. Well, you know, here's my thing. To me, the, the King James is the easiest to understand. It is the purest form of the gospel we have. And it is, I mean, I can't under, I can't comprehend using a different one. These other Bibles don't make any sense to me. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. The King James is the easiest one to understand. And real quick, just on the repentance issue, before I throw, throw it over to the pastor again. Matthew 21, 32, For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. Every pastor would define repentance in the context of salvation as turning away from trusting in works or some other false god and instead trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and James White and these other false prophets who are going to split hell wide open, listen to that and go, oh, they don't believe in repentance. How, how come they don't believe in repentance? That's ridiculous. It's like, Pastor Thompson, let me ask you this question. Do they know that we do believe in repentance deep down and that we just define it differently? And they're just lying to people, hoping people aren't intelligent enough to go look up the sermons for themselves or are they that dumb that they think we don't even believe in repentance at all i personally think like because this is a reason the reason why i left the church so i left what i was going to when i first kind of started you know diving into all you know started listening to pastor anderson uh, on his online sermons and i don't know i was there for a while still but then i started hearing the pastor say it more often and uh, so I was actually the teen, like youth type. I wasn't a pastor, but I was like the youth leader at our church. And I preached a sermon called Judas repented of his sins and died and went to hell. And uh, <laughs> didn't go over too well with uh, the pastor. So uh, I got told on by the deacon and his wife who celebrate Halloween every year and uh, try to invite church people over to those. But, you know, I was in trouble for it. You know, preaching that Judas repented of his sins and still died and went to hell. And uh, anyway, the pastor tried to give me some handouts from uh, some Bible, uh, some Bible, uh, you know, literature place. I think it's in Oak Harbor, Washington, where they get all their uh, their seminary type um, print. They print off all the stuff for like you know doing um, you know local churches where they do their kind of own like little uh, Bible college type thing. So anyway, he tried to get me to do this, you know, fill out this thing about repentance, and it was just all twisted up. And, you know, it, it kind of sounded like a lot of our arguments were semantical. But, you know, ultimately he ended up saying, you know, I said, what, what sin did you repent of to get saved? And he said, well, lying to my mom. Because he lied to his mom one time, and his brother ended up shooting him in the leg on accident. And if he hadn't lied to his mom and went there, 
and he would have never got shot in the leg. And he it was because he lied. He believed he got shot in the leg for that reason. Maybe he did. But, you know, he said that that's the sin he repented of that made him get saved. And I just thought that was a really lame thing to say. He talked me into staying ultimately for a couple of weeks. But uh, basically, a couple of days after that happened, the church burnt down. Two weeks before um, the church burnt down, I preached a sermon about soul winning um, and how if we don't start soul winning as a church that we're going to lose our candlestick. And uh, yeah, basically, that's exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> they loved it. They love that church building so much that God took it away from them is what I believe. And uh, some arsonist in Vancouver, you know, I was sitting there thinking, man, they're probably going to think of me if I leave right away. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I promise you I didn't do it. But uh, it was just pretty weird. I mean, I preached a sermon two weeks before about God taking away your candlestick. Nobody showed up for soul winning that Saturday. And, uh, you know, then... I get tripped up with repentance with the pastor and uh, he tries to talk me into staying even after the church burnt down and stuff. And then he just like had that deacon watching me when I was teaching and his daughters were like trying to say something about everything I was preaching about in the Sunday school classes. And it just, it just got really uncomfortable and weird. And, um, but anyway, ultimately, you know, the reason why I left that church was over that repentance garbage. And then the church I went to after that, Kind of played lip service. You know, he said he didn't have to repent, but then I actually heard him say it in a couple sermons. I'm like, you know, and it, it's just like, you know, all these pastors, even if they don't believe that you have to repent of your sins, it seems like they won't take a hard stand against it. Some bozo comes and preach in their church about it. It's a scourge amongst Baptists, and it's really, I think, destroyed the independent fundamental Baptist movement um, from the inside out when you get these wolves that come in and take over these churches. And ultimately, look, if they won't hear the word of God, if you show them Jonah 3.10 and prove to them that works, you know, the turning from your uh, evil ways is works, and you, it's right there in front of their face, and they say, no, you know, then that person, in my mind, is lost, yeah. you know. And not only are they lost, they're probably a false prophet. You know, I'm not saying every single one. You know, sometimes it takes a few, you know, ring, uh, you know, a, a few rounds for you to beat that into them. But, you know, it didn't take me long. Because I'd heard repent of your sins in Baptist churches a lot of times and didn't I didn't I didn't believe what they believe it means. Right. I just meant I just thought it meant like, you know, you know, admitting that you're a sinner, basically. Yeah. Right. And so well, when it, when that got straightened out, I was like, that's easy. Okay. So how come they can't see that receive that just as easy as I did? That's weird. So I hate that well, doctor. After- <laughs> Well, actually, it, the Bible does say it is very easy. Um, and one place, and they try to change it in these new versions all the time, but one place that um, that's, it talks about it's easy is in Acts um, chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, where it says, And they went on, went on their way, and they came unto certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest, with all thy heart thou mayest. And he said, um, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded a chariot to stand still, and they went down uh, both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Right there, it's talking about all you have to do is believe. It's not um, you have to repent. It's just believe. All thine heart, and thou shalt be saved. It's simple. 
Right, yeah, but apparently it's too difficult for a lot of these old IFB types that don't have the gospel right to comprehend. And you're right, Pastor Thompson, when you show somebody clear scripture, you know, Jesus said, he, he that is of God heareth God's words, ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. And so when these people see the clear scriptures and they totally outright vehemently reject them, it does make you wonder, you know what, perhaps the person is lost and they... <laughs> they need to get, I mean, for sure, you know, they don't have, the, they're not listening to the voice of the shepherd, they're not hearing the voice of the shepherd, they weren't saved to begin with. Well, if that pastor told me that he repented of the sin of lying to his mother to be saved, do you think he's saved? Oh, yeah, obviously not, yeah. I mean, that was a really strange thing to say, as far as I was concerned, but I was pretty, I don't know, I was pretty uh, new at some of the, the stuff that I was learning, and I mean, obviously I wasn't... Uh, fully mature Christian at that point, because I mean, I should have known that a long time ago, I, I would think, but you know, there's a lot of things that I've learned <laughs> in the past, like six or seven years or whatever that, you know, change, change a lot of the uh, way I think about a lot of scriptures. So I've, I've met people who were a little mixed up and then you show them the, the clear scriptures mm -hmm. and they just immediately change their mind. So that tells you it was a safe person. It was just a, a little bit, you know, little confused on some things i just had to hear it one time that was it yeah i think it was the repentance spectrum you know or disorder or whatever it was that like clip from one of pastor anderson's server i was like okay that's makes a lot of sense right yeah. and, and like i said i mean there's people out there who they they use that word that term i should say repent of your sins but they don't mean work salvation and yeah. then you show them in the bible why you shouldn't use that term you know what because you know, what the majority of people mean when they say that, why it's wrong according to the Bible, and then they'll comprehend it, they'll understand it because they're saved. But then you go to Charles Lawson on the other end of the spectrum, an unsaved false prophet who preaches harder against the gospel than he does the sodomites, and yeah. you see the difference there. There's a juxtaposition, it's pretty obvious. Oh, Ray Comfort, the worst of all. Oh, man. You know, he's the worst. When are you going to repent? Right. So when are you going to repent? You know, well, right now I'm going to believe Jesus, <laughs> not you, you clown. Right. Uh, have you ever seen a video where he destroy a drunk, saved yes. person destroys him? <laughs> yeah, that's a, I mean, it's not a good look for saved people, but still, <laughs> yeah, even, drunk, even drunk, he still made very comfortable look like a total idiot. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I, I think that guy was saved and, you know, it's totally schooled Ray Comfort, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But that series, I thought, again, was very needful because it does help the viewer just to get some ammunition that, that we could then use on people who are using straw man arguments against the new IP. This is one I keep hearing a lot is basically every doctrine that would maybe make the new IFB distinct from the old IFB, for example, the post-trip pre-wrath rapture or anti-Zionism. The way in which opponents of the movement describe these doctrines, they describe them in a way that makes it appear as if Pastor Anderson created the doctrine himself, and we're just following along. When I've met plenty of people who believe in the post-trib pre-wrath position, who understand what repentance is, who understand that Zionism is false, that believed those things before they ever even knew Faithful Word Baptist Church existed, Pastor Thompson. Yeah, well, that's what got me listening to him in the first place, is that I kind of thought, well, 
am I the only one? Why do I have to be the only one that believes, you know, because <laughs> I've never believed in the pre-trib rapture. And I, cause I read the Bible before, you know, before I got poisoned with that doctrine. And so the first time I ever heard it, I thought, well, this is totally wrong. And I went and talked to the pastor actually right after the service. And I was like, you know, the Bible says, you know, says this in Matthew chapter 24, can you explain this to me? And a lot of the things you were saying doesn't make sense. And, you know, ultimately he didn't convince me of anything. I thought everything that he said was just a stupid argument. And so I just believed the post-trib rapture. Maybe I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent correct on all of what I, like, I thought it was maybe post-trib. Like I believe the seven year was, was the tribulation. But yet, and so I thought, well, post-trib, I thought, well, then Jesus would come back at the end of the final seven years. But that's the only thing that I needed to really clear up. And I still thought the Jews are God's chosen people, so that was messing me up a little bit, too. That was actually harder for me to overcome uh, than anything was was that. And I was just like, man, I had a hard time, you know, seeing that because I just got brainwashed with all that, uh, you know, pray for Israel stuff for so long. That, uh, you know, in the 1948, you know, all that stuff and can a nation bring forth in one day or can the earth bring forth a nation in one day and all that other stuff. So once I finally realized that it was a spiritual thing, I was like, oh, like the light bulb came on and, you know, that helped me uh, with with some of the things I was lacking on in my post-trib beliefs. So, you know, now people try to say that we're mid-trib, you know, even Andrew Sluter still continues to say it's another yeah, and if he's listening to me right now, which he probably isn't, but if he does listen to this, I mean, he, you know, you're just lying, dude. I mean, you're lying because you know, we don't believe that, you know, that we believe it's after the tribulation, you know what we believe about the tribulation, but yet you still continue to lie about our position. And that's what all the, these pastors are doing. They're just lying about what we believe about the tribulation, you know, after the, tri- after the tribulation, means after the tribulation it doesn't mean after the final seven years and it doesn't believe mean in the middle of the final seven years because that's when the antichrist is revealed and that begins the great tribulation i mean anybody that just looks at the bible can see that and understand it for what it says i mean this dispensationalism that cripples these people yeah another line that I don't want the whole podcast to be about this we're gonna we're gonna wind it down in a minute here but they'll say <laughs> oh you think God broke his promise to the Jews? Could you? God's not a liar. I missed that, prom- I missed that one. <laughs> I missed that one. I got to do an addendum in like a couple years. There it is. That's <laughs> Other lies. Other yeah. lies. I mean, Hebrews 8 tells us, for finding fault with them, he saith, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It was the Jews who couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. It's not that God broke his promise to them. It's that they well, couldn't hold up their end of the agreement. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Well, Moses, you know, walked. They broke the covenant right away. I mean, Moses has just got the Ten Commandments in his hands, you know, etched in, by the fingers of God. And what's he do? He comes down and he sees them, you know, dancing around naked and worshiping a golden calf. And what's he do? He just walks up with the Ten Commandments and... Boom! Just <laughs> breaks them into a million pieces, and then makes you know smashes all their idols and makes them drink it, and ends up right. killing the people that aren't on the Lord's side. I mean, they pretty much broke it from the very get go, you know. And yeah. so God just was merciful, long suffering to them, but they never did keep it, did they? No, they didn't. 
but the opposition would say, we're calling God a liar, because he didn't hold up his end of the bargain to these Christ-rejecting Jews who apparently are just going to magically get saved at the end of their seven-year tribulation, or in the middle of it, or whenever they think that's going to happen. Right. They're going to look on him who they pierced, and they're all going to believe. Well, anybody would believe at that point, right? I mean... Why can't everybody get that same chance? They're, so. they're going to realize they crucified the wrong guy and, you know, just change their mind. But it's funny that John, in, John, in John chapter 19 is when that, uh, I think, or John chapter 18 is when that verse is fulfilled. And then right. you see that verse again in Revelation chapter 1. So I think there's still some Jews that are going to see that and be like, uh-oh, you know, we screwed up. I think they will think that, you know, but at that point it's going to be too late. So... I mean, God's not done with Israel. No, he's not. He's not done cha cha chastising them. <laughs> those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. All right. Peter Reddick, any any last thoughts before we wrap it up? Anything that you wanted to say about what that little back and forth there or anything at all uh, tonight? Um, actually, I think, I mean, I agree with uh, both of you guys 100%. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself with what you guys explained. Um, I mean, if you were a Judaizer, I wouldn't have you on, so. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, okay, here, here, here's a Just random kidding. tidbit here. here. Here's a random tidbit here. Um, what does ISIS stand for? Islamic, no, no, Islamic State something i don't know you would expect me i'm the 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 arab here you would expect me to know i'm not sure <laughs> try 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 israeli um, israeli secret intelligence service ah that's good <laughs> and who ha and and who has their hand in almost every country mossad right and yeah, i just mean, a false god the false goddess right well, I mean, if you, you look at America's fallen foreign policy and all the wars we fought in the Middle East, totally destabilizing that region for Israel to feed the military-industrial complex, that's when you get into political Zionism, a whole different rabbit trail for sure. And I was just kidding. I would have a Zionist on and have a dialogue with him if the opportunity presented themselves, but they never want to come up. I've tried, and they just run away from me. So it's not that I'm against having people on that I don't necessarily agree with. But anyway... Let's see here. Uh, I'm looking at the chat. Everybody's talking in there. Thank you very much for tuning in, everyone. There, NIFB, Javier Ramos, Kevin Doty, William Ever, Edward Hackman, Grammy Stephen, Maria YouTube 100. I saw Ryan Urbanic in there earlier. Folks, check out his latest sermon against Calvinism. He does a good job debunking Calvinism. I recommend the sermon. I really like the part where he went over perseverance of the saints and showed the difference between perseverance of the saints which is the idea that once you're saved, you'll automatically turn from all your sins, and once saved, always saved, and how those two concepts are completely different. Yeah. Pastor Thompson, any last words tonight before we let you go? Thank you for being generous with your time. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, just a couple shameless plugs. Again, I do have Pastor Bruce Mejia coming to visit our church, Sure Foundation Baptist Church, 609 Main Street, Suite 120, Vancouver, Washington, Nine eight six six zero. You can uh, email us at surefoundationbaptist at gmail dot com if you uh, have any questions about him. Is uh, him coming? It's seven o'clock. You know, one night only, and uh, it's going to be a rocking house on Friday night. 
7 p.m. Don't miss it. Also, we have the um, Fire Breathing Baptist Conference that's coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to preaching there in Dallas, Texas, or uh, Fort Worth, Texas, I guess it is. But uh, looking forward to coming down to Texas. I'll be down there preaching on Wednesday. I think it's 6 o'clock. I'm pretty sure it's 6 o'clock. So at uh, Steadfast Baptist Church. So I hope to see everybody there. And uh, God bless you, everybody. And have a great night. All right, that's it for the show, everyone. That was Pastor Aaron Thompson. You heard there from Sure Foundation Baptist Church. Search those keywords there on YouTube. Sure Foundation Baptist Church. Hit that subscribe button. Do it now. There's nothing left on this show, okay, so you're not going to miss anything. Go ahead and do it. Hit that subscribe button. Listen to his preaching. Support the man of God. Support a church that's actually doing work for Christ. It's a rarity these days as I think we're living in the fall in the way. Until next time, this is Benjamin Naeem signing off. Monday night at 9 Eastern is when this show airs. I will also be at the Fire Breathing Baptist Fellowship. I look forward to sitting in the pew and taking it all in and hearing some hard preaching at that conference and enjoying the fellowship. Can't wait to go ice skating as well. Show off a little bit some of that ice skating skill. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you guys again next week. Monday night at 9 Eastern is when the show airs. YouTube.com slash Ben the Baptist. Thank you for listening. God bless you all. And I'll talk to you guys again after a while. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.